television. Your imitation is coming along quite well. Not bad, eh? That's very good. Yeah. You've, You've been watching the tapes, haven't you? You've seen them on TV. <laughs> All right, here's some more Stephen Wright's okay, for you. Thanks, All right. A conscience is what hurts when all your other parts feel so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing about conscience. A clear conscience is usually the sign of a bad memory. Very good. <laughs> now, the next one I don't like. Where's another good one here? Ah, here we go. I like this one. If everything seems to be going well, you've obviously overlooked something. <laughs> There's always something <laughs> that's not right. Uh, oh, and this one, too, yeah. Ambition is a poor excuse for not having enough sense to be lazy. <laughs> uh, oh, another good one. When everything is coming your way, make sure you're not in the wrong lane. Very good. Good mm -hmm. advice, yes. And here's another. Here's one for some people you and I know, right? Okay. Hard work may pay off in the future. But laziness pays off now. Great guy. <laughs> yeah, well, we're all in that boat every now and again. I like that one. Good. Yeah. Mm. The sooner you fall behind, the more time you'll have to catch up. That's right. We like that one. Okay, one more. we got to find one more. One more good one here. Uh, oh, this, well, I, I actually read this one last week, but you laughed and I laughed, and I think this is maybe my favorite one. Okay, give it to us. All right. <clears throat> Experience is something you don't get until just after you need it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Thanks to Bob for sending along some more Stephen Wright lines for us. We appreciate that. And if you've got a smile or a chuckle, send it along to us here at Talk of the Town, and we'll share it with our listeners. 643-1290 is our telephone number. Chapman at cjbk.com is the email. And we've always fun to hear from you with those things. Stephen Wright, love the guy. Left, right, and center's coming up uh, after the 10.30 news today. Bob Metz and David Winninger will be here. David's uh, a new player in that game. I don't believe he's been a guest before. Has he, Ryan? I don't believe so either. I no, I think, think this so. will be a first. Yeah, yeah so nice we're looking forward to having Dave join us. Yeah. Of course, he's a former uh, uh, NDP MPP in Toronto and now uh, the Ward 6 counselor mm -hmm. in the city here. Uh, so we're going to be talking to uh, Bob and David about racial profiling, about uh, this controversy that's going on in Toronto and trying to get their thoughts on uh, that and uh, law enforcement along those lines. wonder if he knows about the initiation for first-timers here in the program. I wonder if mm. anybody told him. Jeez, I don't know. Oh. Oh. Well, it could be tense, Look eh? Look out, David. You think he's ready to work naked? <laughs> Dave, if you're driving, driving in and you're listening, uh, you know, that is our initiation, is you have to do the first show naked. <laughs> in another booth. Not yeah, with it's not all bad, though, because Ryan's naked all the time anyway, so <laughs> it's not really a big problem. That's right. This is Talk of the Town at 1290 CJBK. We'll be back right after this. This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK where interesting people talk and London listens. Two very interesting people with us today on left, right, and center. Bob Metz, our old stalwart. Nice to be back, Robert. Good morning, Jim. And uh, David Winninger, who I don't believe has, has been a guest in this program, and I don't know how we've... Uh, how that's happened uh, for as many years as we've been doing. It's a great pleasure to have you here today, though. Good to be here, Jim. David, of course, is a former MPP in Bob Ray's NDP government in uh, Toronto and currently is a city councillor here in the City of London. Uh, and I'll, I'll mention this. I'm sure, I know our regular listeners are very familiar with it, but uh, for those of you who may not be, Left, Right and Centre is a political forum wherein we, we get people from differing political points of view uh, to discuss issues of the day. Sometimes, sometimes it's contentious, other times it's not. The purpose of it is to provoke, provoke thought in all of us, to get us thinking about the issues of the day. And uh, it's not just about the left versus the right or me. Somewhere in the middle 
it's more about uh, trying to provoke some uh, some thought and discussion in our community. So on that basis, I want to ask both of my guests today about a very contentious issue uh, brought to a, to a head in Toronto recently, and that's the issue of racial profiling. Um, the, the term racial profiling is generally taken to mean that, uh, it, it, relative to, to law enforcement, that law enforcement officers will target a particular uh, a visible group within society, whatever that group may be. It generally tends to be minorities, but by definition it does not have to be. It could uh, racially profile, uh, uh, you know, middle-aged white males if they thought that middle-aged white males were guilty of a particular crime or a spate of them in a particular area. The cops might be more likely to ask middle-aged white males, uh, you know, where were you last night at 9 o'clock, that sort of thing. So it's not just about minorities. It's a broader brush, but generally it's the visible minorities who seemed to be most concerned about it and perhaps indeed are more targeted. Um, there's, the debate rages as to whether the, the needs of society to protect itself uh, outweigh, in some cases, the, the more general rights of the individual not to be harassed by police or indeed interfered with, not necessarily even just harassed, uh, just simply interfered with, or whether the police have a right to say, just as an example, uh, there's been a robbery up the block and it was, it was two, uh, two five-foot-tall Chinese guys is there anything wrong with uh, talking to every five-foot-tall Chinese fellow you see? Or middle-aged, bald, white guy like me? Uh, where do we go with this? And, Bob, I'd start with you. When you hear that term, racial profiling, and, and what goes with it, do your hackles rise? Yes and no. It's a very ambiguous term because, well, first of all, the greatest racial profiling that goes on in the country routinely is the Canada Census, where they make you fill out your race, your ancestry, and everything. That, to me, is a racial profiling, mm -hmm. to get a profile of the country from a racial breakdown. When you're related to law enforcement and you're talking about targeting a visible group and you're re referring to arbitrary search and seizure, I think that's disgusting that you would pick race on that. I mean, I don't think there should be a conflict between safety and individual rights. Everybody should be treated equally. You should have the same rights to protection under the law. And um, that's a different thing from having to identify an already known perpetrator of a crime where you're looking for a person of a specific race, you'd be crazy not to check out people of that race first, at least even that, even that community to find out if that's where he is. But that's an entirely different issue when you're using it for identity. When you're using it for what they, they loosely call profiling, which means um, harassment and targeting people like that, I don't think anybody should be harassed. But the argument made by law enforcement is that we're not harassing anybody. We're doing exactly what you just said. We're trying to identify miscreants in this particular subgroup of the population. And if that's true, then I got no problem with it. But that's the whole issue, isn't it? You're, what you what you get is all these, uh, um, you know, stories that people tell with their experiences mm -hmm. with the police, and then they try and to some of them are draw. Some of them are true. Some of them are are frightening. Some of them are the quite opposite. So you can't draw too great a generality. But um, yeah, it's a big problem. David, you're a lawyer. How do you view this issue? Well, I think one of the problems is that racial profiling suggests, to me at least, that the police believe that certain members of races are more likely to commit certain crimes. As Rob said, our charter gives everyone equality before the law, and we also have a Section 7 that speaks to security of the person. These are basic and inalienable constitutional rights that all people are entitled to and can only be overridden by reasonable limits in a free and democratic society. But I just wanted to add this. There's nothing wrong, in my view, with profiling a criminal suspect. That's what the police in Washington are doing right now mm -hmm. with that elusive sniper. 
But if you then extend your search and say, well, this member is of a certain racial or ethnic community that would be more likely to commit crimes, that I find unacceptable and completely wrong. I have to tell and you. And has no relevance to the actual crime itself, the color of the skin. You know, I saw, I saw some news coverage last night in Washington that just disturbed me greatly, what mm -hmm. they were doing to all those people on the highways, mm -hmm. looking for the sniper that you just mentioned, David. They were pulling people out of their cars, making them lie down on the road with guns pulled. Just, mm -hmm. just average people going down the road, mm -hmm. hundreds of them. That's insane. Do they really think that's going to work? Police run well, amok. I, I, I can't see that as even being an, an effective approach. This guy's way past where these guys are thinking, whoever this sniper well, let, is. Let me ask both of you, yeah. then, and let's use that as an example. Let, let, let's say, for example, that they got a, a uh, that a police, that he does it again, let's hope he doesn't, but say he does it again, a police, two police officers see him, and they identify him as being a middle-aged, white male, slightly heavy set, with long hair, bald on top. Are the police then justified in trying to round up as many middle-aged, overweight, balding, white guys as they can find? Well, to my view, that's not racial profiling, because that's not suggesting that certain racial groups are more likely to commit crimes. They're searching for a suspect. An identity they have issue. A, yeah, yeah, they have a description of the suspect. It's fair to send out that description of the suspect to the community at large with a view to apprehending the felon. So it wouldn't matter whether he's a middle-aged white or an elderly black man or a teenage, uh, a teenage uh, oriental. It wouldn't make any difference. Well, you see, that would be my whole point, that you're describing people in more generic terms, not associating them with a particular race for the purpose of suggesting that race is more likely to commit a certain crime. What if, the, what if the, let's not talk about race per se or color per se, but there certainly, and any police officer will tell you this, there are cultural enclaves within most of our larger cities, in Toronto for example, where the crime rates are definitely higher. Where people from a particular background, whatever that background may be, for whatever reason, show up on the police blotters more than someone in another cultural enclave somewhere else. Is it unreasonable for the police to express concern uh, about that reality. Well, it depends how they express it. If they express it by violating people's rights, no. But if they express it by increasing even surveillance or increasing patrols, I don't see a problem with that. Uh, I am very concerned with, for example, what just came in in Ontario was, was this Bill 30 that the Harris government brought in and that ironically only the NDP stood in, in, in objection to, which I support. But this gives the police incredible powers to violate all of our rights. It doesn't matter whether you're black, white, green, or blue. And uh, if they start using some of those things in some of these situations, I think you're going to have a very volatile situation. Could I just address the cultural mm, enclave mm -hmm. uh, point you made, Jim? There may be cultural enclaves in any city. I don't know that we have compelling statistics that would lead us to believe that certain enclaves based on ethnic origin or color tend to have a higher frequency of certain crimes. Some people may believe that, and in doing so, I think they're more likely guilty of racism than not. If there's other factors, such as socioeconomic mm -hmm. factors, well, I don't know. But I think the concern with the community in Toronto, for example, is that black people are more likely to be pulled over, detained, uh, imprisoned overnight, than white people for the very same crimes or 
suspected crimes. That concerns me. Uh, we're going to pause for just a second. We'll return left, right, and center today with Bob Metz and David Winninger. We're talking about racial profiling. If you'd care to join us, please feel free to do so. 643-1290 is our telephone number, and we'll be right back. London's Talk of the Town with Jim Chapman. This is Talk of the Town at 1290-CJBK, left, right, and center with David Winninger and Bob Metz. And the lines are open at 643-1290. We're talking about racial profiling today how it works, what it is, and where the lines should be. And our lines are open to you. Andrew will join us now. Hi, Andrew. Hey, Jim. Yes, I'll sir. ask a question. I'll hang up and listen. Sure. I, was, I drive a truck across the border a lot. What do you guys think about well, what I see now is mostly just uh, Pakistanis and Hindus and people with turbans being more pulled over their trucks being checked. I was just wondering what you guys thought of that. Thanks. All right. Thanks for the call. And I have a number of friends who are truck drivers, and they tell me this is quite common now at the American border, mm -hmm. that anyone of, uh, of apparently Middle Eastern uh, descent or anyone wearing a turban headgear, uh, they do tend to get pulled over and pull out of their trucks much more often than, uh, than other people. Uh, the American authorities, I'm told, uh, their, their position is that those people represent a group of higher risk for us in the wake of September the 11th. Is that a reasonable thing for the Americans to say and think and do? Well, the first thing to acknowledge is that Customs has this authority with any of us. It can pull you over for anything and give you a hard time on either side of the border, and I think a lot of those authorities, personally, I think, are, are illegitimate. But, given the fact that they have that authority, how they exercise it, I think this might be, again, an issue of, is this profiling or identity, looking for someone? because they do know that most of the terrorists were of a certain mm -hmm. uh, ethnic origin, and so where else are you going to look? You're going to look at, uh, at, at uh, Southern Africa or something? That wouldn't be sensible, would it? Well, you see, that's where Robert and I would probably part company. Uh, just because someone happens to wear a turban, and there's millions of people in North America who do, or just because they happen to have a different skin tone or skin color, doesn't mean that you're more likely to pull them over. Don't forget, I, don't, I do not support this authority. No, I, I no. made that clear. But what I'm, what I'm suggesting is that if there's other indicia of uh, the possibility of terrorism, for example, false identification papers, false passports, uh, um, dogs sniffing out guns and things like that, I mean, it makes perfect sense because that way you'd be treating every person the same as you do your law enforcement across the border. But if you single out certain groups... When I used to have long hair down to my shoulders, <laughs> I used to get pulled over every time. I can't even border. imagine that. Isn't that hard to believe? <laughs> That's how I looked in the, in the 70s. And there was just no getting across the border for me mm -hmm. without getting pulled over. But I was you, a hippie. But okay. you see, a person of any race can be a long-haired hippie. Yes. and can be treated the same. That's I'm just, not I'm, I'm just suggesting, I, 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 I tend to agree with your overview, David, that, that you know, I, don't, I don't agree they should have these arbitrary powers. They should have a reason to, to have to pull someone over. I, I, I think that when you're driving down the street well, on, on I Warren talked Club. to a friend of mine whose wife had uh, left the country and uh, flew overseas, and uh, she noted, because he'd asked her to, to uh, keep an eye on what happened, he wanted to know what was going on in the airports and so on, three gentlemen of... Uh, apparently Middle Eastern origin or Middle Eastern descent, were pulled from the passenger line and taken away, and only two of them returned, and they were the only three people who were taken out of the line. And she said they were taken out very peremptorily, just, you, come with me. Um, what, if you're a person of Middle Eastern descent, that must be very distressing oh, for absolutely. you. Absolutely. Absolutely, and I think it's just scandalous that that uh, engineer, the Syrian-Canadian engineer, 
a citizen of Canada, mm -hmm. was deported to Syria by a U.S. court mm -hmm. with no representation by a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And um, no explanation still flowing for that. That's, that's what bothers me. I mean, we can talk in theory here, but we don't know why they were pulled out of the line. We don't know mm -hmm. what was behind that. And just to see it as a witness standing there arbitrarily watching authorities pull some guy out of the line, everybody gets a little upset. Mm -hmm. But you'd like to think that they're doing it for a reason. And we are, are we in a position to judge that in every case? I don't think we can. Um, it, it's going to appear this way for a long time, whether what motivates uh, the police's actual profiling or, again, an issue of identity, if they're actually looking for a particular Well, let me, tell, let me, let me put it to you this way, then, because I had a discussion with a fellow when I was in the States this summer, a fellow who works for the American government, and uh, I asked him about the issue of racial profiling at airports in the United States, because it does go on. And uh, he said, well, officially it doesn't go on, but unofficially it certainly does. And I asked him to explain why he thought that was acceptable, because he obviously did think it was acceptable. And this was his explanation, and I, I, I don't pass value on this. I'm simply sharing it with our, with our guests today. Um, he said, if we have limited resources in those airports. We have an identified threat from an identifiable minority within our country. And he said, and don't forget, it is a very small minority right now. The uh, 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 Americans of Arab descent are still a relatively small uh, percentage of the American population. So we have limited resources. We have an identifiable subgroup from which has come, as he said, and I quote, all our problems on this front relative to September the 11th. He said it would be irresponsible of us not to focus the limited resources we have on the area of highest risk. Now, David, I put that to you. That's what he told me. Had you been talking to him, what would you have said? I probably would have said, well, then... How would you explain John Lynn Walker, a white Anglo-Saxon American who happened to be fighting for Al-Qaeda, and no one would have been able to identify him in a large group, and, and he certainly didn't display the ethnic uh, attributes. I'm going to suggest that his response might have been, well, we wouldn't have got him, but we might have got some of the other ones. Well, but, but again, you're, you're hand-picking certain people probably almost all of whom are innocent uh, of any felonious intent and uh, subjecting them to the kind of unusual treatment that Robert described earlier. You just can't pick people out from the community and... Uh, and Again, I think it, it comes down to whether you're violating their rights or not. I mean, you can have extra patrols, you can keep extra surveillance, you can put, we've got cameras in the streets now, you know, for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, you can do things like that. You can take precautions. You know that you look over here on this side instead of looking over there, but you don't go violating people's uh, rights, you know, pulling them over arbitrarily. You should have to have a reason for that. And in fact, you may recall, Rob and Jim, there was a lot of objection to even putting the 16 cameras up in the streets of mm -hmm. London. Because mm -hmm. people well, I wasn't felt one of those people, but... People felt that there. their rights were being infringed. You just happened to be walking down the street doing a little bit of window shopping and you're on someone's video monitor at City Hall. Well, I, I, don't, I don't see that as any different from walking down the street and being seen by the rest of the public that's walking down the street. I don't uh, have a problem yeah. with it, and I didn't then. I'm just saying that uh, some people, do. Some people mm -hmm. go a lot further in uh, protecting human rights. Robert Metz and David Winninger with us today on this edition of Left, Right, and Center. Talking about racial profiling and some of the things that flow out of it. If you'd like to join the conversation or if you have a question for our guest, please do feel free to call us at 643-1290, star-1290, on the Rogers AT&T cellular network, that would be a free call for you, Rogers customers. 
we are going to see, it is likely, more contention about this. Uh, the police union in Toronto has issued a statement that they feel they've been maligned by certain public, public figures in Toronto, and they're even threatening legal action. Um, certain public figures in Toronto are saying that the legal action to be directed against the police, that it's blatant, uh, the racial profiling is blatant, and discrimination and racism on the police force. It is such a contentious and divisive issue in, in some communities. It hasn't become that in London yet. I think we've been fortunate that the tolerance levels have remained pretty high here for, for uh, the differences that multicultural brings to our community, multicultural, uh, 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 the ethic brings to our community. I think Leonard's have been very tolerant and open and, and indeed have been very successful at mixing those cultures together. Uh, if this continues in Toronto, though, experience tells us that sooner or later we're going to have these problems in London because they do seem to come down the 401. How do we prevent it, David? How do we ensure that people are not targeted, not singled out? What kind of, is it an education issue for us? Well, how do we do that? Well, uh, first of all, I guess our former Lieutenant Governor, Lincoln Alexander, has convened a, a task force on this issue of racial profiling, and he's got the moral authority, I believe, to bring in all the important stakeholders into that discussion. But here in London, uh, we recently uh, opened the uh, anti-hate crimes office, and uh, we've given them some modest funding to uh, deal with and, and report crimes. Well, that's the wrong approach entirely, i got to tell you. I saw that Why? budget because they don't accomplish anything. I saw what they accomplished last year, how many phone calls they took in. Uh, I can send you a fax of the letter. Um, it it's, it's mostly goes to salaries for one person, office expenses. I doubt if there's a hundred bucks left over for any real, quote, work of any sort. Uh, the, word, the last thing you want to do is get the state into trying to prevent uh, racism and all that sort of stuff. That's the stuff that causes it, for heaven's sakes. Because when you're racially profiling the country through a census and you're giving one race a benefit at the, co at the expense of another, that's, that's where you get a lot of resentment in the public as far as race goes. Well, I beg, I beg to differ. I, I plus or minus the year's budget for this office is 80000 bucks, And there have been a lot of calls, including to the uh, hate, hate crimes and race relations hotline that's being administered by Women's Community House. They get dozens, if not hundreds, of calls a month. Somehow, the city has to not, be not proactive in dealing like with these crimes. We've had people uh, shot and, and knifed downtown, uh, often with racial overtones, and we've got to deal with it. And if we just let it fester what below we, the We surface, have to deal with the crime, not with anything to do with the race. Well, that, there that's, is that's race motivated crime in London. Crime is motivated by, but crime is motivated by many things. When we start looking at the motivation as being the crime rather than the crime as being the crime, then we're going to have we're going to live in a racist society. Because then you start worrying about you'll sentence one guy who killed somebody, uh, you know, give him two years, whereas the other guy gets ten years because his crime was racially motivated. That's ridiculous. The the courts have already said that the well, juries juries in race-related crimes can be subjected to more extensive cross-examination than if there's no element of race in the crime. Is that, um, is that, a, re is that a reasonable protection for the rest of us? Well, I, I think there is some protection in it in the sense that if it is alleged to be a racially motivated crime when you're picking the jurors, the lawyers have a little more leeway in asking the 
questions they feel are necessary before they select the jurors. And how does I, I can see that being an issue in the justice system mm -hmm. right at the jury level, but mm -hmm. not in the determination of guilt or innocence or anything like that. That's you know that's, that, that that I think is a little separate, or in the terms of social programs. That's where you really. Well, well gentlemen, I, I hate to say this, but we've run out of time. Uh, as is our tradition here, we'll offer each of you the last word. And Robert, uh, you got about thirty seconds. Well, again, this is going to be a very contentious issue. I don't see it as a black and white issue. Pardon the pun. Um, it's it's. Uh, it's very contentious. We're going to see this problem, I think, increase in North America, with given the war that's about to ensue and 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 the fallout from that. Um, I don't think there's a simple answer. I think that the answer is to make sure that we treat all people equally before and under the law to the best of our ability. David, the last last word to you. I would, I too, would like to see equal treatment be before and under the law. Uh, but I do know that we have to address these issues from time to time that uh, involve uh, racial profiling. And we've got to be very cautious as to the extent of power we give the police. And they've got to be fair-minded in the way they target suspects and treat suspects. Gentlemen, thank you both. It's been very interesting. You, David, I appreciate you, you being here. hope we can get a chance to do this again. I look forward to it. David Winninger, our guest, and Robert Metz on left, right, and center. Please stay with us. News is next on the far side of which we've got a number of interesting things for you. Stay tuned right where you are on News Talk 1290 CJBK. <laughs>